Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Jim, the rest of the Vikings report to camp today. Rookies and some select veterans reported prior to this. First practice is set for tomorrow. What's the biggest news in Vikings camp as they begin that uh, first practice tomorrow? The strange thing about training camp is always that the people who aren't there or haven't done anything tend to be the biggest stories. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have Daniel Hunter hasn't reached agreement on a new deal yet. Justin Jefferson hasn't reached his uh, new deal yet. And Jordan Addison, all we know really about him is that he hasn't gotten on the field yet because of a minor injury, and he was cited for driving 140 miles an hour, and he's the number one draft pick. So yeah. I think I think the uh, Hunter and Jefferson negotiations are really interesting and important. And, you know, how Flor- how Flores uses his defensive talent over the uh, over the course of camps can be really interesting, but it's just not going to be a very good defense without Hunter. Um, and then you have really the last two draft choice classes are going to have to prove something. You know, if Seen becomes a good starting safety and Booth becomes a good starting cornerback and Addison becomes a good number two receiver, then we're going to look at this as, you know, two pretty good draft classes. If those things don't happen, then this team's going to have a lot of flaws. And, you know, I mean, if Booth can't be a good NFL cornerback, they're not going to have cornerback depth. Cornerback depth has been killing them for the last five years. Mm-hmm. And uh, and if Seaman can't be a starting safety, then, you know, then you have older and older Harrison Smith next to Cam Bynum or Lewis Seen not being – I mean, they have a lot of flaws, and they're going to need a lot of young players to come forward and, and fill some holes. So uh- – do you think they're going to get a deal done with Hunter? I, I, I think they'll get one done with Jefferson. It's just a matter of time, and they've got a little time with him yet. But Hunter's kind of pressing the issue he has a year left on his deal. But once that contract done, uh, is he going to hold out? We don't know. He would get fined $50,000 a day if he holds out. Mm-hmm. There's the modern practice of holding in, meaning you report to camp. Uh, you just don't actually practice. Um, I'm sure the Vikings don't want to get to a point where they have Daniel just standing on the sideline. Here's, you know, as you said, I think the Jefferson deal is going to get done. Mm-hmm. The Hunter deal, I think it's probably a good sign that neither side has been, like, leaking bad stuff about the other piece. Is that, you kind of know things aren't going well when both sides start leaking. Like, oh, this, yeah. The Vikings are being unreasonable. Oh, Hunter's, you know. And, and we really haven't seen that. Hunter hasn't said anything negative publicly. His representatives haven't said anything negative publicly. Um, the Vikings certainly have no interest in, in ripping on you know, Hunter or putting out bad information on him. So my sense is it's going to get done. You know, I have Jeff Diamond, the former Vikings general manager, on the show all the time, and he, yep. he says it would be a, such an easy deal to do. Um, he said, you know, he, he said, he said it's just a, he said if you were a general manager, it would just be a very easy deal to come to fruition. So what's happening? Why, if it's an easy deal, why isn't it done? Well. Time is leverage, and the more the longer, closer they get to a true deadline, the more they hope they can get the other side to move. It's just negotiating one on one. But I don't. I guess at this moment, I would be surprised if a deal doesn't get done. Well, that's certainly good news because you need pass rushers. Obviously, if your pass defense is going to get better than dead last in the league or next to last, whatever it was uh, last year, that, that would help those young corners and secondary people too. If the if the Vikings have a pass rush, it's so important. They always talk about the passer and the guy who gets to the passer as the top two spots. Yes, and 
You know, you look at the Vikings' depth chart, and listen, you look, a lot of NFL players are fairly interchangeable. Now, NFL doesn't market players that way. They want you to, they want you to absolutely love Eric Hendricks and Brian Asamoah. And, but, but the reality is, there are, there's a huge class of players that if you took this safety from this team and switched them with the safety to the other team, there wouldn't be a huge difference in performance. Mm-hmm. That's why the stars are so important. Guy, uh, a star at an impact position can transform your unit, can transform your franchise. Hunter is one of those players, and they really don't have a way of replacing him. So he does have a lot of leverage, and you know, and and I really think they need him. Uh, let's talk Twins a little bit before we talk about another uh, exciting tenth inning win uh, for the Twins. Uh, they still haven't uh, signed, as far as I know, uh, their first round draft pick yet. Walker Jenkins, he's the only first round pick that remains unsigned. Have you heard anything about that? You and I are talking here at about twelve forty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he will be signed by three p.m. Okay. Yeah, because there's a deadline. Today is the day, right? Yep. It, it's, it's, I mean, my information is the deal is done. Uh, they, just, they don't like announcing deals once they, once they reach agreement because of, hey, and Correa being case in point, they have to get through all the medical stuff before they can really make something official. I believe there will be, I think by the time people hear this, they will have finished the deal and the press conference will have been held. Any thoughts on why it might have been the last guy to sign, or last first-round pick? His agent Scott Boris. Ah, there we go. Yeah, very good. That's no more need be said. Uh, that's for sure. Hey, another tenth inning win uh, for the Twins. Kepler comes up with another big hit. Unfortunately, Griffin Jacks had a save chance, which he doesn't get a lot of with Duran on the team, and couldn't nail it down. Um, but then they they stopped it from there, and they rally and get a big hit from Kepler, a big hit from Correa, and another thrilling win for the Twins. Yes, and, and this is kind of what you know the reason that even though the season had been very frustrating, um, you, I just think it would have been foolish to give up hope on this team. It just felt like there were one or two guys getting hot, uh, t- the team taking better clutch at bats away from doing exactly this, which is winning a lot of games close. These are pitchers keeping in every game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not always going to happen, you can't, and you can't depend on you know dramatic late-inning rallies, but it is pretty galvanizing for this team. Because they, have, you know, they heard what Joe Pola had told me, they felt the pressure. They heard what the fan base is saying about them. They were very uptight before the All-Star break. It was probably a great thing for this team, not only to have the All-Star break, but also to start on the road against a team they could handle. Uh, and ever since they started that series in Oakland, I think they're 9-2. They have the best record in baseball since the All-Star break. And most of it is just taking better at-bats. Mm. It's, it's just the, the art of the at-bat is, is such a big part of baseball. And now you see Kepler you know, staying back, hitting the ball the other way, uh, you know, and being quick enough to hit inside pitches. You see Karloff getting big hit after big hit the opposite field. Um, you know, Julian has been phenomenal. Correa has been much better since they put him in the leadoff spot. The funny thing is, you know, I wrote about Buxton today. Mm-hmm. Buxton's really kind of holding this lineup back. Yeah. Yeah, which is too bad. And, again, it's his knees and his health uh, once again. And and uh, was it in your column today I read that it's difficult for him to wait back because it's his right knee that bothers him the most, and you have to stay back on that knee and push off on it in order to hit the ball the opposite way, and maybe physically he's just not up to that right now. Yeah, I wrote about Buxton in great detail today. Yeah. And the interesting thing is I talked to a bunch of people different parts of the organization, and everybody has a different perspective on the guy. Hmm. Some people think he needs to be shut down. 
Uh, some people he needs think he needs to be forced to play center field. Uh, some think he, he just you just got to kind of hope that he gets hot. I mean, nobody really knows. Um, and you know, I think Rocco's perspective reading between the lines is that this guy just can't play center field. He can't take the risk that you will lose him. And I think there are other people in the organization saying he's hitting 190. Yeah. If you, you know, if you if you lose a DH is hitting 190, does that really hurt you? Yeah, and, and it's a shame that we've gotten to where we are with Byron Buxton's career that we're even contemplating that might be better off, the lineup might be better without him in it. Uh, it's just he's a star that just his body didn't want to be a Major League Baseball player, it doesn't seem like. Yeah, and, and again, I do think it's going to be fascinating to see how they decide what to do with him because I think he'd be a better hitter if he played the field mm-hmm. and he didn't just obsess. I mean, he spends a lot of the game sitting. You know, here's a fast switch muscle guy just sitting around or taking swings. Yep. Um, I think he'd be so. I think he'd be a much better hitter if he played center field. Um, and again, if he's not going to hit and he's not going to be a good DH, uh, maybe it lessens the risk of trying him trying him out out there. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, the Major League Baseball trade deadline is coming up Tuesday of next week. I know I asked you this a, a couple of weeks ago, and, and then there isn't much going on. Now that we're down to the last week, we'll start to see some trades happening. We've seen a couple of minor ones, the Braves picking up some relief pitching. Uh, are we going to see anything of note from the Twins? I don't think you'll see anything dramatic. Hmm. Um, maybe they pick up one bullpen arm, but here's the interesting thing. All the things you usually look for, they already have. Hmm. Uh, they're going to get, you know, what are their weaknesses? Um, well, the bullpen has at times lacked depth because of injuries, hmm. and they haven't hit left-handed pitching well. Well, they're about to get Polanco back. They're about to get, they're going to get Royce Lewis back in a little while. Uh, Correa has started hitting, and you know, so and Solano's been hitting. So it's like, are you really going to be? Able, who are you going to trade for? Unless, uh, who are we going to trade for? in a deal that you feel like you can afford to make, who's really going to be better than Polanco or Royce Lewis or the guys who are hitting the ball really well right now. Yeah. Uh, you almost have too many, too many hitters right now. Um, then the, the bullpen. You're going to get Brock Stewart back here soon. He has the second best stuff on the staff. Mm-hmm. You're going to get Caleb Thielbar back. He's your best lefty. If you have Thielbar, Stewart, Duran, um, Jax, Moran, and Balazovic pitching really well in high-leverage situations, how much are you going to give up for somebody who might not be better than any of those guys? So I, I'm guessing they'll make something, some little move. I just don't see it being anything like it was last year when they knew they needed starting pitching. Yeah, Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports at Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.